0: Welcome to a Million About this podcast where we discuss church life, theological questions, and cultural influences. Our podcasts are available via Google, Spotify, Apple, and many other podcast platforms. We hope you subscribe and enjoy today's episode. Hey, everyone, welcome to another roundtable here at Amelia Baptist Church. I am so happy that you are watching or listening or however you prefer to be a part of what we are doing here, uh, where theology meets culture and these discussions. And so just thank you so much for listening. We have really been uh, so blessed to be a part of something like this and to have so many of you with your feedback. All of it's been pretty good. So I'm really glad that you're giving positive feedback. Um One thing before we get into a conversation on Jesus Christ, uh, the man of sorrows, and sort of how uh, that contrast uh, plays a part in our lives as human beings, flawed human beings trying to be like Jesus, and how we might deal with things like sorrow or sadness. Uh, Before we begin, I wanted to address something very quickly, and then we'll move on to our content. We did a series this past fall on the relationship between government and the church, and sort of how the church is supposed to respond in all of these different situations. And all of that will be available for you. We'll link those on our YouTube page under this video, so just click on those and you'll be able to find those. We would really love for you to look at them. Um, We put that there for good reason, knowing that we were in an election year, knowing that we didn't know what was ahead. Um, And the reason I bring this up right now is that we have what's called the Equality Act sort of upon us. It's on the minds of Christians everywhere all over the country. And a major question that's being brought up is, why should Christians be concerned about the Equality Act? And we had decided Maybe not to spend an entire roundtable talking about this, but just very quickly, send you over to a resource or a link on our website, ameliabaptist.org, that will explain this uh, in greater detail and will allow you to be informed as to what's going on and what Christians can do in response to this. Uh, And real quickly, as Andrew T. Walker, who is a professor and historian out of Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, he wrote an article for TGC recently the bill represents the most invasive threat to religious liberty ever proposed in America. Given that it touches areas of education, public accommodation, employment and federal funding were it to pass, its sweeping effects on religious liberty, free speech and freedom of conscience would be both historic and also chilling. And as many of you know, this has already been passed in the House it's on, way, it's on its way to the Senate. He goes on to say virtually no area of American life would emerge unscathed from the Equality Act's reach. No less significant would be the long-term effects of how the law would shape the moral imagination of future generations. And so, in other words, while its proponents insist that by naming it the Equality Act, they are ending discrimination, the truth is it would fundamentally alter the legal definition of sex to include sexual orientation and gender identity. And the legislation would also undermine the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And this is where a lot of Christians are feeling that they are seeing their religious freedom be shortchanged as well as conscience rights. So, ABC has released a quick article with a link on a website, again, ameliabaptist.org, that will tell you more about it. And I wanted to reiterate, and Pastor Neil is here with us. Uh, as well, and we aren't a church that preaches politics, but politics does not get to own all ethical and moral issues. And so, while we are quickly explaining to you what this is and what is happening, as a church whose authority is in the perfect Word of God, please feel free, as followers of Christ, to uh, write your senators by clicking on this link to vote no on this inappropriately named equality act and that is pretty much where we're going to end that conversation so moving on but still pertinent to our topic of the state of our culture where theology meets people man of sorrows is this sunday hey pastor neil how are you doing sir well it's
1: good to be back well that was a big mouthful at the beginning we usually don't do it well you know it's um i think it's important for us to consider these things right? and we have worked very hard about uh not being political right but at the same time we have to address moral issues
0: absolutely true
1: and uh you know when when i look at uh different policies mm-hmm. uh, it seems strange to us that our culture may be moving in that direction mm-hmm. and yet at the very same time hundreds of years before christ in the greek culture and the roman culture these were non-issues right. yeah they of course they didn't have a medical ability to Change genders and things of that nature, right. uh, like we do today. But as far as activity is concerned, and what was acceptable, um, it, they just never gave it a second thought. Well, I very much in appreciated,
0: culture. right? I very much appreciated your conviction on not uh, representing a politician from the pulpit. And so being sincere about the Word of God is what you and I have been called to do. That's right. And and throw that out to ears to hear. And that's all we're doing here is is seeing something that needs to be addressed. Obviously, if you've listened to all of our roundtables, you know good and well where we stand on these issues. And and our hope is we stand where the Word of God stands. Um, This is a big sermon that's kind of continuing on in a big series. Uh, We also encourage anyone who's listening to the roundtables to uh, go check out the sermons that are on our website as well as on our YouTube page. And I think people have been tuning in live, Facebook Live, during this whole pandemic thing. And uh, so we've been walking through a series on Christology, which is the study of Jesus Christ. And I've been reluctant to say it's a study on the names of Christ. For some reason, maybe it's like that pretentious seminarian in me where I just don't want to do something (laughs) so topical. Because we are diving deep into these texts. When we get the texts, we move pretty deep into them.
1: Well, look. You and I know that we can speak about a topic, but we use scripture. Right. And we delve into the scripture that we use. Right. That's exposition. I sure
0: did with Isaiah 53. You know,
1: that was really (laughs) a great introduction to a lot of Christological metaphors (laughs) and truths and titles and names about Christ. This
0: is what's so funny is that we have two services now, and that's unusual for us, for me and you. And so for the first service, I'll go kind of. Str- you you stick around for both my sermons, which is so kind of you to do. I I don't know. I need to start doing that. I guess. No, I'm just kidding. But uh, when it comes to our first service, I I preached Isaiah 53, and I went to you, and and I was like, you know, so so was it? You know, was it on? I'm always looking for that validation. Unfortunately, and you're like looking at me. You don't you need go, to mumble. Everything right. was good. Yeah. yeah, it's like you go, hey, um, is that okay? And then you kind of went on and said. Not everything needs to be said. Like we're doing some of these sermons in the next two or three weeks. You can pull back, well, leave I just, something for us. Well, for I it. just
1: reminded you, for instance, between the 9 and the 1045 service, <laughs> that in two weeks you're preaching on jesus the lamb of god and,
0: I'm, you're talking and about it's all and you're
1: talking at nine o'clock and right. so uh but at least in ten forty-five, you said we're going to be getting to the lamb of god in a couple of weeks but i
0: left it and we corrected it for the second service and i'm always appreciative of, no, your, of your mentorship good. going above and beyond even during the series
1: are very difficult sometimes yeah, because you can exactly. find yourself repeating yourself that's the key i think pastors hear that series are tough for that reason
0: you kind of want to keep going and Give yourself the time and pacing. Um, Jesus is called man of sorrows. Uh, Why exactly is he called man of sorrows? Pastor Neil?
1: Well, the the term is basically from Isaiah 53, and I appreciated the fact that even though you were comprehensive in your sermon on Isaiah 53— you did know that the Man of Sorrows was coming up because you're going to be singing the song. That's the only next, reason I knew That's That's right. And therefore, you didn't preach on right. that. But I'm so, so dumb pre- that that's the only re- reason <laughs> I didn't touch
0: on Man of Sorrows, because I was like, you know, I'm singing that next week. Neil's probably going to preach on it.
1: Well, you know, in this whole series, we started off with the lofty truths mm-hmm. of who Christ is. Right. You know, like he is the great I am. He yeah. is the word and uh, you know he's the cornerstone upon which everything is is built in the kingdom he's the head of the church but now we're in the Lenten season yeah and so when we were developing this series knowing that that we're approaching good friday the death of christ that we wanted to concentrate more and more specifically on the sufferings of christ Mm -hmm. so the 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 Transitional sermon title mm-hmm. from his loftiness and his uh, like—he's the Redeemer. He's the one who comes and and buys us back. Is that he's a friend of sinners? Right. And then we get go from he's a friend, uh, uh, a friend of sinners to how did he demonstrate that he was a friend to us? Right. And that's
0: been very clear because I think when people think man of sorrows, they could read it. Man of sadness. That's right. And we want to be very careful in that because Jesus was called a man of sorrows, but Jesus was not morose. He was not a doleful person. Uh, he endured times of sadness, but Jesus was unique, perfect, always good, always God, and He rejoiced in those sufferings and, and He focused on the final outcome. And that that I feel has been the consistent trait when looking at Jesus as the man of sorrows in the Scriptures is that He was focused. On the final outcome.
1: That's right, and most of our sorrows mm-hmm. come either at our own hands or the hands of other sinners. Right.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Like it's not you always know, a result of sin. Sometimes it's just a result of a fallen world.
1: That well, uh, the fallen world, or you sin against me, yeah. or I sin against myself, right. um, or you know, just being dumb. Mm-hmm. You know, and we we pay the consequences of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite uh, songs uh is you know the man of constant sorrows from the oh uh, brother where are thou the oh brother where Art thou, the brother, where art thou? and and basically you know the whole song is about i'm a man of constant sorrows mm-hmm. and he just can't get away from it he's on a he's even on a train so that he can just try to run from being a sorrowful person and yet he can't he's you know he says maybe you know you'll be okay after i'm in the grave you can put me in the grave you know that you'll love someone else So I think that that is a is a real uh, metaphor of how hard life is. And um, and so we are not only people of sorrow and pain and suffering, but we are sorrowful people. Mm -hmm. We are um, we become pessimistic. You know, we become uh, gloomy. We get down in the dumps. Uh, when I was preparing for this, uh, one of the writers made a distinction between being a man of sorrows and being a sorrowful man. And so he was trying to make a distinction that Jesus didn't live under this cloud, of right. uh, feeling sorry for himself. No. Um, he looked beyond the suffering that he was going to experience because he knew on the other side of it is going to be great joy. For a whole multitude of his creation. Mm-hmm. And you are
0: exactly and you are preaching on the man of sorrows. And there's going to be a large part of this, of course, that's just all about Jesus and who he is in that scripture and what he came to do and what he had accomplished. Um, but at the same time, people are gonna be listening who are going through a lot of sorrow, who are experiencing a lot of sadness, and, and the gospel call is we can't be jesus but we are to, we are called to be like jesus and that's right the holy spirit molds us and makes us uh, like jesus the longer we follow him the more we are discipled by you know his word.
1: spurgeon addressed that he said when people are going through sorrow mm-hmm. they don't go to bethlehem mm-hmm. they go to calvary
0: right They go to the cross. They go to the
1: cross. Mm -hmm. And uh, Spurgeon, I'm going to be using this this coming Sunday, is that uh, the place that is not a remedy for our feelings of suffering and sorrow, but it's a place to put it in perspective, Mm -hmm. is Calvary. Right. And you get a lot of
0: this uh, whenever we read the Psalms, too. Mm -hmm. Um, The Psalms are really filled with uh, David's pouring out to God the the sadness of his heart. Like like David, we can often feel that God has abandoned us in our times of sadness or caused by those who, I don't know, reject and oppose us. And you have Psalm 13 too, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? Um, how long will my enemy triumph over me? I think you have a lot of people who are singing this song privately or they haven't confessed it or they haven't shared it and and when they read yeah. what god what's so, the son of god all man all god does as a man of sorrows and why he did what he did and what he focused on to get through what he got through i think that's got to be encouraging
1: well we actually have more than what the psalmist had mm-hmm. because uh, these psalms, these these type of psalms that you're referring to are called psalms of lament right And uh, I'm reading a book now on how to lament and using biblical terms and and studying these psalms. It's really rewarding Mm. the um, because in these psalms of lament, you have how long, how long will you not hear me? How long are you going to be so far from me? How long, how long before the psalm is over? But I trust you.
0: Yeah, because we don't know,
1: you know, but but in this but his mind tells him, I trust you. And so I think there's an important part of this man of sorrows, and even looking at this in relationship to our culture, mm-hmm. uh, what I've read several Christian writers about this uh, this uh, new bill that probably is going to become law, and basically mm-hmm. they say there's nothing that can stop it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we want people to vote the way it is, but they own, you know, all the power sources in Washington D.C., right. and so. I have an emotional reaction Mm -hmm. to that kind of like David having an emotional reaction to about his enemies who are encompassed about him. And then, but then his mind Mm -hmm. in his mind, he has faith and he said, but Lord, I know that you are my rock and you are my salvation. And so I'm in conflict over every time our, uh, whether it's in education, whether it's in the media, uh, and this Equality Act affects all these different areas of our life. Yeah. Um, and so, therefore, it's going to have a profound effect on our culture. I am sorrowful about that. But in my mind, uh, the last two sermons that you preached, uh, I was away in Kentucky, and we were traveling Um And boy, Lord used you to give hope because God is still God, Mm. you know, and we need not just to preach that. Yeah. We need to believe it. Right. We need we need to speak it. We need to pray it even while emotionally we're saying why. Yeah.
0: No, I agree. And that's exactly right. And God doesn't even explain his reasons to us sometimes as to why he allows those things to happen. Right. Um, and that's the hard part because in our natural state, we want in on the plan why things are happening the way they're happening. Do you, um, this just kind of struck me. and I wanted to ask you. Sure. Do you think um, it, it's wise for, for Christians to kind of say it's, it's only a season when they're comforting each other yeah i, f- I f- see that a lot or i hear that a lot <laughs> i don't want to be overcritical, and you know what i mean and i think it's can be very hopeful and this is just a season i think is like the, the real common phrasing you know how the common phrases happen like baptist circles but it, this is just a season well we don't know that we don't know what they're
1: going through well it's just a season. you know here's again we're gonna go with god made us emotionally he made us intellectually mm-hmm. Uh, We have the five senses. We're a complete person. And so whatever the season that a person's going to, I don't bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. Because even the person who may have lost a child or a parent or a grandparent, um, those who are believers, I'm to weep with those who weep and I'm to laugh with those who laugh. I'm not supposed to correct how they are feeling during that time of sorrow and the truth is, and I've seen this over and over again, um, while that person is dealing with their sorrow, um, they are still grateful, especially if their loved one is in the presence of the Lord. Right. And the they start talking about the hope of the resurrection. Yeah. Um, I have seen uh, uh, young adults who've, who've lost a mate who uh, only been married just a few years And go through this, uh, you know, why do bad things happen? Mm -hmm. But then something miraculous happens because they have a deep faith. They actually become proclaimers of God's sovereign mercy and love in tragedy. Like living, it's
0: incredible. Living testimonies, living
1: sacrifices—they they do become that. I've seen it over and over again, mm-hmm. and it's much more powerful coming from a person who's experienced the losses yeah. than from a preacher who is high and lifted up in a pulpit yeah. and can rhetorically uh, make it sound, um, you know, either pleasant to the ears or to either uh, emote, you know, it. You know, it's actually. Preachers do things like that. But you hear a testimony of someone as they've walked through certain things, Mm -hmm. like the author of this book that I'm reading. Um, Deep clouds, dark mercy. Yes, it's really incredible. Uh, And he's coming from a place of deep sorrow. Yeah. Yeah, and
0: uh, we see, too, to kind of move it over to this idea of suffering and how something can happen in our country— That makes Christians feel like there is about to be a time of suffering and you and I spent a lot of time preaching against uh, the idol of nationalism and um, the idea that we live in a me centered self uh, Exalting culture that when even the slightest bad thing happens or oppressive thing happens we all sort of collectively have a tendency to lose our minds a little bit and I think in when you're talking about sorrows and when you're talking about suffering, especially how it pertains to the church um, of Christ, you've got to sort of develop some perspective here globally.
1: If we don't have a biblical perspective and a uh, and, and when you say globally, I, I get that. That's exactly right. Look, I was brought up in the fifties and the sixties. And that was the beginning of, quote unquote, the me generation. But that's not really true. Adam and Eve was all about themselves. Yeah,
0: Adam and Eve sort of got us in this. Mess. You know, it's, they were like it's,
1: 1920s. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little earlier. You know, it's always been about me. And your definition of sin last Sunday mm-hmm. is that, you know, yeah. I put myself in the place of God.
0: Yeah. This, the essence of sin is man putting himself in the place of
1: God. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so it's always been about me. And and so as Christians, we may be offended at what we see going on politically or culturally. I am more sorrowful than offended. Yeah. If you remember what Paul said, we are actually not supposed to be judgmental about those outside the faith. They're simply acting according to their nature. Yeah. And guess what we did before we came to faith?
0: We acted according to We
1: our acted faith. according to our nature. Still battle with and, and and therefore we think the war is that we've got to win this culture war? Mm-hmm. Well, I would love to win the culture war because I want to live a comfortable life and I want to express my ideas and you know, not I'd pro- be
0: I'd probably have I'd probably be more about trying to win the culture war had I not already read the back of the Bible. It sort of doesn't end or get to a place where we're all oh, just listening perky all the time and everything's going well according to our politics. I just I never understood that so much.
1: This is where we have to be honest. <laughs> Because I know Christians who, oh, I've read the end, so I don't care what's going (laughs) on in our culture. And then there are other people who have seen their loved ones. They've seen their children get absorbed into the culture. They've seen them turn from their Christianity. They see them go down this destructive road. There's no way that we can watch our kids or our loved ones or people that we care about go down that path and go, oh, I've read the end of the book. Worship the creation over the creator and go,
0: you know what, I have faith. Yeah, absolutely. Faith, I see what you're saying. You have faith in Christ. That is going to be what guides you. But do not ever, I guess, misconstrue uh, apathy with strong faith.
1: That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And we don't need to be angry all the time. I mean, you're getting
0: into other topics, but it's all true. I'll, I'll it's listen, all related.
1: I was talking with someone while I was on vacation, <laughs> and um, I said, "Have you have you read about this?" He said, "No, I've just shut out the news." Yeah,
0: I think more and more people are turning.
1: And uh, and I said, "Yes," but and I referred to this act that's coming on. He said, "Don't care." He said, "It doesn't have anything to do with me going to my kids' soccer games hmm. or us having devotions at night." or me praying with my kids at their bedside or us enjoying a good clean movie.
0: And you what you're saying exactly <laughs> what you're saying is while that's all well and good and like what great perspective and what great peace that we know comes from Christ Jesus like that's good that's a calming effect peaceful we still have been called as Christians to be a voice of truth.
1: Listen. I responded to him in in that way and right. said and I said, look what is getting ready to happen is going to affect your kids. Yeah. You just need to know that it's going to affect your kids. And therefore there is this middle road that we can't let what's getting ready to happen in culture affect real relationships that I have with people. I don't have to be angry all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, I can enjoy uh, my family and I can enjoy the church and I can enjoy a ministry and, 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 and I know it's going to have an effect on me, mm-hmm. but I think about these countries where persecution has been rampant, right. where it is illegal to be outwardly an expressive uh, Christian.
0: And this is where we get to sort of the, the end um, resolution, the, the final uh, path here where God takes all of these bad things and he makes them great things. He uh, makes you know these wonderful things out of what we feel is going to be um, destitution and just sadness and pain. And you have these amazing statistics of where the church is growing in the world right now.
1: Well, you know, before I read this, I just want to emphasize for you who are struggling: your struggles are real. What's coming down is real, but we do have a choice. Mm-hmm. We have a choice that we can face it realistically, but also with the perspective that the kingdom of God is not of this world. Um, I want you to go back over Adam's messages over the last two. I know I keep referring to it, but they really did hit home on this whole thing. And that is that a lot of things that we're experiencing is to force us to let go of the things that we're holding on tightly here on this earth, thinking that it's going to bring us joy. And it's really not. Mm. So uh, with that in mind, uh, 10 top countries in the world that persecute Christians in 2019, North Korea, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Pakistan, Sudan, Eritrea, Yemen, Iran, and India. And so, I mean, and, and of course there's others. Right. But these are just the top 10. And so uh, what we see there and what we hear the stories like even when you get to the book of voices of, you know, the martyrs and, uh, you know, the book of the martyrs and then the voices of of the martyrs, even because it's that information is constantly coming out of these places is that they have a joy that some of us don't have. Right. And they worship in ways. That some of us could never worship the whole thing with David Platt and the secret church was not to be a gimmick. You know, he learned that because people were so nervous about gathering that once they gathered, they wanted to stay six hours and read God's word and study and pray because they don't know when they're going to be able to get back together again uh, that'll preach
0: uh the idea that they have something to lose and that made them want to be together and, and and no offense but we live in this world where we've sort of abused our freedom of religion yet at the same time now we're fighting for it and asking people to sign uh, tour, uh you know petitions for their senators so that we can keep it uh, well are we we do we find a, still a use in being together in the body of believers do we long to be together in the body of believers or have we sort of completely seceded to this cultural christianity and this viewpoint of a watered down faith
1: it never has to be all or nothing we have to live in the real world and we have to pray for those in authority over us because only god Can change the heart of a king. Right. And uh, so, with that list in mind, guess what? Some of the countries where there is the fastest growing evangelical population. Where's that? In the world. Number one, Iran. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Look how that works.
1: Number two, Afghanistan. Four, Cambodia. Six, Algeria. Seven, Somalia. Nine, Kuwait. Eleven, Laos. 14, the sedan. 18, North Korea. Wow. I mean, Libya was on that top 10. They are the top, uh, they're number 30 in the, uh, the fastest growing evangelical population in a country. It's just amazing, um, and it's so encouraging, too, because first of all, hallelujah, Jesus is still
0: saving, and there's nothing that can stop him. The, the, the concept of the entire Bible is there can be all the sin in the world and all the sadness in the world and all the brokenness in the world and the light of Christ is still going to shine through. So what a hope we have in Jesus, what a friend we have in Christ. Um, and so while life among sinful humanity in this world will never be perfect and that we've established, we look to Christ, the man of sorrows. We know that God is faithful. We know that he did what he was meant to do in the crucifixion and in the resurrection of which we'll be going forward in the next few weeks, leading right. to Easter but because of Christ and in his return, that sorrow will be replaced with rejoicing. And this is what it's all sort of leading towards is that, and that's why you kind of can say, this place is a waiting room. You're not trying to predict someone's life right now or exactly what you said, tell them it's all or nothing, but that you're doing the best you can to the glory of God. This is what the whole thing's about because he is returning and there will be rejoicing. And that's so right. I and, love and, that.
1: and even though we're in the season of Lent where we're supposed to be concentrating and preparing ourselves for the death of Christ, Man, I am so glad that we know Easter's coming.
0: Yeah, I'm all. I always am. That's right. And every that's right. every good Baptist church, you know, you can say He is risen. And that's right. The whole crowd <laughs> says He and is risen. And that's what uh, you
1: know. And that's a, if we want to end on a kind of a humorous note. Uh, Pam and I had chosen to um, do away with a, a few things in our diet during Lent, okay. and so basically bread and sugar, which are the two things that we, you know, at least Delicious. I love most. And you know, they're they're great. And so uh, several weeks ago, when I was doing the introduction to Lent, I was studying and and i i found out that it took 44 to 46 days to do 40 days of lent and i thought that is weird like why is that true and it's because every sunday is a mini easter and you're not supposed to be thinking about lent during easter and so pam and i look forward to every sunday not to just to worship and not just to pray with our friends and to see and 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 uh, COVID hug or, or whatever we're doing, but we do get to have a little icing on the cake, well, so to you speak. Have
0: several reasons to look for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pastor Neil, thank you so much for sharing your heart and, uh, brother. In the last seven years, I've learned so much from you about how to handle grief and how to deal with uh, pain and how to really connect with people on this level and use the Bible, God's perfect word to do it. And so thank you, brother. And uh, as we we continue on, we'll be praying for you for this Sunday, be praying for Pastor Neil. And uh, we hope that you've enjoyed these. Remember, you can gather them. Gather is weird. You can listen to them uh, on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever they stream these things, and as well as check out our YouTube channel. Pastor Neil, thanks again for being on. Okay. God bless. (laughs) We'll <laughs>